Good evening, everyone. Uh, really excited about tonight. Pastor Rob is in Portland right now behind enemy lines. We, we think we have it bad here, but you guys are going to hear uh, some awesome stuff from, from Pastor Rob. And a special guest actually in Portland is Kurt Cameron. So uh, he's going to jump in a little bit later uh, with Rob. And, and we're, we're excited about this. It's, very, um, it's a very unique situation where I get to be the host to the host uh, in Portland. Uh, so we're, we have about 60 people on now, uh, 75. Yeah, you guys are, are, are chiming in. You guys are ready to go. We're going to try to figure out how to take some questions. Uh, you guys may have a lot of questions for Pastor Rob. Um, so he is waiting. And without further ado, our fearless leader, Pastor Rob. <laughs> Actually, I'm in the Willamette Valley. Oh, that's right. Um, it's beautiful here, as you can see the background. We're uh, at somebody's home. We were in Portland. Uh, we landed this morning, uh, left LAX around 9 a.m., landed in Portland, and then immediately went to downtown Portland. We went to the uh, federal courthouse building, uh, saw the, the destruction, uh, went through the park. We had a, a police officer, off-duty police officer, who has been kind of our bodyguard and also our tour guide. Um, his name's Colby. I won't give his last name. And, um, he took us through the whole area. We saw where the young man was murdered, uh, the, the parking lot structure where he's murdered. They had the outline of his body and just some, just awful things spray painted on the ground near where he died. Um, saw a number of folks. We, we still see the Antifa element. Uh, they're, they're everywhere throughout the city. Most of the city is boarded up, um, now, I, I haven't been to Portland since 1992. I came here for a job interview oh, I was for Coca-Cola Foods. And uh, it was a beautiful city. Michelle and I were considering moving here. We would have lived in, in Portland. And uh, I, I love the city. The, the tour I had, I was excited about the possibility of working for Coca-Cola Foods. And I didn't end up taking the job. Uh, and I haven't been here since 92. I came back. It is not the city I remember in 92. It's tragic. It, it was a really beautiful downtown, and now it's just decimated. Uh, the homeless are everywhere. Graffiti is everywhere. Businesses are boarded up. Anyone who says that these protests have been nonviolent, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, you are, you're ignorant and you've been duped. Mm -hmm. it, is, it, it is completely violent. Uh, the destruction of the inner city is so evident. Uh, the, the people we've met with, and, and today, uh, Kirk Cameron and I had a series of interviews with a number of people who have been affected by what's happening here in Portland. It's true that our governor has draconian measures, but uh, the governor here in Oregon, she's, she's just as draconian in her measures as well. And the, the, the fascinating thing about Oregon is the people that we've met, it, it has a strong Christian history uh, of people who, I mean, we were with one family, um, a, a woman and her daughter, they, uh, the families adopted nine kids from all over the world, China, Russia, Ethiopia, and their Ethiopian daughter, who's 21, her, her name is Segi, or Segi, excuse me, Segi and her mom, Teresa, uh, we interviewed them, and Segi uh, works um, at, at a Starbucks, and uh, she, uh, she's working in the city, um, and of course, being Ethiopian, her melanin content is far greater than mine and her mother's. Her mother is white. Uh, Segi's obviously Ethiopian. She's black, right. uh, but they're family. And um, 
everyone assumes that she is a BLM follower working in the inner city. They would tell all the employees to wear BLM outfits. And, and if you don't support BLM, they're going to burn your business. And so folks who may not even agree with BLM, they're putting up these posters all over Portland in order to avoid their businesses being burned. Um, one lady in particular, and this, this is the one that I, I took a video of today because uh, the, the, the lady's name is Jen, Jen Jacobson. And uh, a tragic story. Uh, she, she was abused by her, her biological father. Uh, she was forced, and, and the story is very involved. I won't go into great detail, but suffice it to say that when she was younger, one of uh, the abusive uh, things that the father did is he would put a, a paper bag over her head and and said, this is your timeout bag, and put the bag over her head. She wasn't allowed to take it off. She'd have to sit there. She'd ask to take it off. She'd be forced to wear it longer. And And this was traumatizing in addition to the physical abuse the humiliation that she faced and having this bag over her face, you can imagine the trauma as a young child. Uh, the father was a raging alcoholic, uh, drug user, actually, um, you know, encouraged her or actually pretty much forced her to use drugs at an early age. Uh, she ended up, uh, it wasn't a Christian home. She ended up getting married to obviously an abusive husband following the same pattern. Wow. Three children. Uh, the man was violently abusive and, and of course, that relationship ended. She left to save her life and the life of, the, of her three boys. Mm. And she was a single mom with three kids. And she was on state aid, um, receiving welfare, everything else, food stamps, uh, put herself through school, uh, got an education, started a business uh, making cheesecakes. Uh, she, she didn't realize she had this gift of, of baking. And so she, she baked cheesecakes for uh, her, her boys' uh, teachers, and they were moved by this. They said, where'd you, where'd you buy this? We want to buy some. She said, buy it. I made it. And, they, and she didn't even know how to do a cheesecake. She taught herself on YouTube how to do it. Right. Um, and, and she made these, and people loved them. So they kept telling her, go into business. And when she graduated, she wanted to go into social work and, and be a probation officer, uh, but that didn't avail itself. And so she thought, well, I'll do this. And so she started this business. It flourished. She ended up winning uh, the award for the the best dessert in all the Willamette Valley, which is a, a huge accomplishment because it's kind of a foodie location. Right. As you can imagine, there's wineries and the like. And her business was taking off. And then five months ago, when it was the best year that they'd had, she had finally made a big purchase. She was completely off state aid. Uh, the business was booming. And then COVID hits. And then these draconian measures, just like California, uh, attacking small businesses, they keep moving the goalposts, and um, and and she's she's devastated as a small business. The worst part is she put on her um, on her business door. She said, uh, "Face masks are required, but for those of you who do not wear a face mask, I'm assuming." that you have um, a, a health concern right. and I'm not permitted to ask you what that is. And she also stated in, in this poster in her store, um, some of you may struggle because, you know, uh, abuse, maybe you're a rape victim, uh, whatever you've gone through, please be mindful of those not wearing masks. Don't judge them. Just understand that they're going through trauma. And, yeah. and anyone who knows her knows that she went through that trauma right. as a young child. And so it was a place of respite and until people started to report her and uh, boycott her business. And then they had the BLM marches down the street. Uh, the 
the landlord had to board up her business. And when it was boarded up, they said that, um, you know, it was, it was racist to board up the buildings and you weren't posting BLM posters. And so small businesses, uh, because of the lack of, well, let me say this small businesses, because of the mal- government malfeasance, they have all suffered. And she, she started crying and you won't see this in the clip that I took, but she started crying in the middle of the interview when she said, um, at one point I had to go back on state aid and, uh, got food stamps. And she found herself at uh, Costco with, you know, the, the EBT card or whatever it is. And she was choked up saying, I, I never want to go on this. I never wanted to do that. How did I end up here? I was free of the system and now they've got me back into it because of what they've done to my business and they've devastated her. And the only employee she has now are her three boys because they're out of school. She's homeschooling them, caring for them. Uh, her oldest boy's going into the, the army, but he's staying, staying around to help her at this stage to keep the business going. And as a congregation, just like we did with um, uh, BSF Fitness, uh, we gave her a blessing. Nice. And uh, it wasn't 15000 but <laughs> but I, I, I was able to give her a, a sizable blessing. And I have to tell you, um, the award-winning cheesecake, it's a, it's a salted <laughs> caramel cheesecake. Yes. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. It was it was worth the donation. Epic, <laughs> epic. Um, if Jimmy Maglos is listening, the owner of the Waypoint Cafe, Jimmy, you need to have these cheesecakes shipped in. Yeah. There will be lines around the building to come in for a piece of this cheesecake. It, it makes a cheesecake factory look like an Oreo cookie. It nice. is such good cheesecake. It's ridiculous. I've I've never had anything like it. It's phenomenal. But I, Mike, if we can, yeah. Um, and I know Kirk's going to come out and interview with us. But if, if we can, can you show the video that I took earlier today? Just talking with Jen, uh, just yes. so you can meet her. Just just see what a delightful woman she is. The last thing she wants to be is on welfare. Yeah. And and listen to her heart. And I, I pray it blesses you all. Just take a look at the video. All right, so what, what city are we in, in Oregon? Uh, Silverton, Oregon. Silverton, Oregon. And this is Jen Jacobson, and she owns a cheesecake. What, what do you call it at this store? Uh, Beloved Cheesecakes. And it's the best cheesecake in the entire city. Uh, best dessert of the Willamette Valley Contest. Willamette Valley Contest. Yes, so all the Willamette Valley. <laughs> yeah. And so she's a single mom, three boys, and her boys are strapping. They're, they're cool dudes. And we came in because she is one that is standing in opposition to the draconian measures here in Portland, the same ones we're facing in California. And you're my hero. <laughs> you're so brave. <laughs> and I, I wanted all of you to meet her. Um, Kirk Cameron and I are getting the chance to interview her, hear her story. Uh, she's raised three boys all by herself. She's built this business all on her own. And she's going up against government authorities that are trying to shut her down. And she is just a treasure. And I'm telling you, you just find these amazing gems in this state. So I just want everyone to meet you. Please pray for Jen. Uh, She is an amazing gift to this state. They just don't realize it yet. She is a woman who loves liberty. And she's raising her boys to understand it's worth fighting for. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. So sweet. Are we back up? Yeah, we can hear you. There you are. Hey, oh, there we are. Look, look hey, what I got. What's, hey, what's up, Micah? How's it going, Kirk? Good to see you, man. Hey, it's going. It's going good. It's a, you know what? I need that wool cap, dude. You're just doing it for looks, but we need it for the for the warmth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little chilly up here in Oregon. <laughs> it looks like it. I, 
when when we were uh, you were working on your computer when we were flying up but i was on the right side of the plane mm. and the entire flight uh from lax into portland on the right side of the plane uh the entire state is on fire and then you enter into oregon and the same thing smoke everywhere uh we met a number of folks who were uh that we interviewed and, and they said you know it, it's speculative that many of these fires have been they're arson. They've, they've been lit. 17 fires happened within the course of an hour in this area. And some of the folks we interviewed just said it's, it's spurious and confusing and strange. Yeah, they, we, were, we were talking to a police officer and, and uh, asking him what he knew. And, and like Rob's saying, uh, there, there's lots of reports of what, what, what people think are happening. And it doesn't make sense that anything else could have started these fires. But uh, of course, nobody really wants to go on record saying one thing or the other. But you know, sometimes if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. <laughs> That's so good. So I'm gonna, guys, I'm gonna jump out out of screen, out of out of the shot. We're gonna full size uh, Robin Kirk, so you guys can get a good look at them. They don't feel like they have to squish together. Um, I have my my laptop ready. Um, I'm gonna. Kirk doesn't know this, so I'm gonna text Kirk some questions that you guys have. If okay. if you don't have your phone, I got Kirk. My phone. Okay, cool. Um, so you got, be, you're going to text me before or after you supersize us? <laughs> yeah, uh, after. <laughs> after you super. Okay. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna supersize <laughs> Rob and Kirk, and then we're gonna get some questions <laughs> from you guys. Best, best coffee, Dutch Brothers. Dutch right Bros. <laughs> we need one in Thousand Oaks. It's critical. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't know how I don't know how you're not like jittering from all of the caffeine that you've had. Do you know what this Do you know what this guy puts in that drink? Do you even tell people how many shots of espresso you have? It's the Keith Richards special. <laughs> eight, eight shots of espresso right there. Eight shots. Four splendors. And look at that. No shake. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. I built up an immunity to iocane powder. We had the most amazing cheesecake today. Jen. Uh, Jen. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. I, I hadn't eaten breakfast, and so I just thought, well. Me neither. Let's just have cheesecake for breakfast. And uh, I, I went into an insulin coma almost instantly and had to uh, uh, be brought out of that with uh, the Dutch Brothers coffee. So my, my whole system is out of whack right now. <laughs> I'm teaching them how to live on the edge, the dietary edge. Uh, so we've, we've interviewed, what, 10 people today total? Yeah, uh, about, about 10 people. Are we getting questions? Yeah, already? we're getting a question right now. Um, have you guys gotten a pulse on what the church life is like in the area? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. The tragedy is you have all of these people throughout uh, this entire area that are standing firmly upon liberty at great expense to themselves, and they're hard-pressed to find a church that's open. That's right. People were saying, that, wow, if, if, if we live closer, we'd be going to your church. Uh, we'd be going down to Godspeak and, and see, seeing uh, Rob there. And that's what's happening. I mean, I, I see that at Godspeak. People are coming in from all over the place. They're not just driving in, but they're flying in. People are coming in from other states because they want to uh, not only go to church, but they, they, I think they want to see a model, a template of what can be happening at other churches because this hasn't happened before. Yeah. This is new. Well, and I was surprised because you invited me to come up here and I'm going with Kirk Cameron and everybody knows you from acting and I get up here. Or they know my sister and I'm the brother of DJ Tanner. Either way, either way you are, you're, you're known. And, and I was surprised I got up here and people knew me and wanted to take a picture That's with right. me because they're moved by what God speaks doing all the way up here in Oregon. Totally. 
totally. One of the ladies that we talked to, she said, "You're what's your name? I know you from. How do I know you? I know you from somewhere." Yeah, she kept saying that oh, to me. Yeah. Oh, she's like, I saw you. You were talking with Charlie Kirk, and and all that that podcast inspired me so much. And you can see that they almost have tears in their eyes because we're all we're all feeling something um, very 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 strongly, and that is that liberty is being taken away, and to see someone like you stand the way that you've stood, uh, Rob, it just it means so much to everybody. We didn't know what we were going to encounter when we came up here, driving through Portland and seeing the devastation. Mm-hmm. I was telling about the burned out uh, federal court building and okay. and the Antifa elements and all those things, and then pointing out where the guy was murdered and all the the stuff and the boarded up buildings and and the girl. How about the how about the girl that oh. saw us with our phones so that we could record what was going on and take it home and show our family? Did you tell them about her? I didn't dig in. So. Uh, we, we were having our phones just right, just sort of like looking out the window. We were just recording what we were seeing. And uh, they sort of have their counter surveillance people who are there and they're checking out people like us who are checking them out. And this girl came over and just sort of like stared inside the windows of our car with that look uh, that communicated something very clearly. Uh, not nice things. Yeah. Like you're, we're going to kill you. And uh, we, we, we drove on. Fortunately, we were uh, we had protection with us. And uh, we were also we were also tailed. And we yeah, that's right. And we saw somebody in a in a in a Prius uh, that was sort of uh, <laughs> creeping along, making sure that we Prius. we were moving along. Yeah, we, we make sure the environment's taken care of while you burn the entire forest around. You know, so throw that out there. So, so it, it was creepy. I, 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 it, it was creepy. But I'm but I'm really glad we're here because there's good people here. And there's good people here that don't want to see this happening to their community and they want to talk about it. And they're saying, thanks for giving us a voice uh, so that people can know what's going on and wake up. Yeah. Uh, the one family I was telling them, I interviewed uh, uh, Teresa and her daughter, uh, Segi. Yes. Uh, and, and adopted from Ethiopia. Her father died when she was four or five. They adopted her. They've also adopted from China and Russia. And it's a precious family, nine kids. And, and, and Teresa's comment was, We've never wanted to, to kind of, we voted, but we weren't really into politics. And she said, and I've realized what's happened to our community because we haven't engaged in the political realm. And we never wanted to enter into politics, but politics has entered into our world and has devastated our community. And now we realize if we don't stand, we're going to lose. I mean, you can just see the paradise here. And, and the, the one gal that I was uh, interviewing, uh, her comment, Paige, she was born and raised here. Um, met her husband when she was a senior in high school. He was a freshman in college. They went on, he went on with a professional baseball career. They traveled all over the country, but came back to their hometown to live here. Generations of family. And you can see how beautiful the Willamette Valley is behind us. And now they're saying, look, we're we're either going to have to stand and contend with these forces that have dominated. They're dealing with, you know, people stalking them, BLM folks coming to their house, threatening them. They're either going to move out or they're going to stand and they've chosen to stand and they wanted to say thank you to all of you for setting an example to them on 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 standing in opposition towards evil and contending uh, against really uh, the malfeasance of government that has taken a paradise and turned it in to just misery. And, and the people that I that I had a chance to talk with, Rob, that um, while you were speaking with her, I was speaking with a, a, a couple of a couple of others. And uh, there, there was a, a mom. Um, she and her husband had their first baby. The, their, their child was going to kindergarten. And then they realized that the books that they were teaching and giving to their kindergartner was just 
wildly inappropriate and not uh, anything that they wanted their kids to be reading, uh, let alone believing. And so she went in and, and questioned the school and she was met with such uh, a backlash, such opposition that uh, she then eventually said, well, I need to get involved here. And so she pulled her child out of public school and uh, she began to go to school board meetings and and other kinds of things and had hundreds of protesters. They were protesting her just for standing up for her values. Um, but she really believed that this was God directing her path yeah. to enter into the public square to make a difference for her community. And I know I know some people and I've been guilty of this in the past, feeling like, you know, when it comes to my faith, that's a personal thing. That's a private thing. That's I want to go to church. I want to hear a good message that makes me feel good. And politics is something that's that's totally separate. But who better to be involved in what our kids are learning in school than people who love God, who read the Bible and understand the principles that lead to to flourishing families and healthy communities? We need to be involved in here because, well, I'm getting my eyes opened a little bit more about what's happening in some of these smaller communities uh, where they just feel like their, their, their communities, their schools, their businesses are all being hijacked yeah. by this covert operation that they didn't even really know was there. And it's been here for a long time, but they didn't know until they had kids and they started looking into it. We, it, one of the ladies I interviewed, she was so moved by what was happening in her community. Uh, she's a mom of two kids. And she finally just said, you know what? Even though I homeschool, I, I'm going to run for office. And she ran for school board. And they, she ran up against an eight-year incumbent. And she won. Mm. And in a seven-member school board, there's two uh, Christians standing firm, two other professing Christians that – yield to the him, her, she, they, you know, all the, the junk that's going through the school system right now. And then they started putting in, you know, critical race theory and BLM and watching the school district enforce that. And they stood in opposition, but some of the Christians were silent. So if you can compromise with what's happening, you can get along, but they're watching as when you compromise with this imposing force, they're, they're not interested until they dominate everything. And that's what's happening in Oregon. It's just being taken over, even in sleepy little areas like the Willamette Valley. They're being devastated and they're standing tall. These folks are brave. I, I've been inspired all day. The, the, um, another lady that I spoke to, she has been, she's on the school board herself. And she got involved because she wanted to make sure that every child felt welcome and was treated right within the school. And then she noticed these policies were coming in and she started talking about this critical theory, critical race theory. And, uh, and she sort of explained it because um, I think a lot of us, we've heard it, but we're not exactly sure what it is. And she says that basically society is being broken into uh, groups, into different tribes. And you have the, the oppressed and you have the oppressor. And uh, she basically was, was told that she is a racist. And she said, that's probably been the most difficult thing in all of this, as thick of skin as, as she's been able to develop. Being called a racist was just so emotionally taxing and nothing could be further from the truth. She had relatives who fought in civil rights movements uh, for minorities and everything about her and her lifestyle and her family is for uh, minority groups and underdogs and making sure that people are treated equally. And yet still, she can't get away from the racist label simply because of the color of her skin. And yet she's standing strong and she's fighting for what's right because she knows that if she doesn't, uh, we won't have the opportunity to later. 
uh, you can check and see if there's questions, but I wanted to add this one part that, that uh, Teresa and Seggy, uh, the, the mom and daughter, um, Teresa started a summer camp and followed all the governor's directives and in intense bureaucracy just to have a summer camp for the kids. They had 125 kids for a drama summer camp that she hosted at great expense to herself to give the kids in the summer something to do because they had all been locked in. And they followed all of the restrictions by the governor, which changed daily. And it was an enormous amount of work. So the kids were required to socially distance. And the only ones that were, that were uh, required to wear face masks were adults that were not a family that had to be separated by six feet. And so the only people working the summer camp were her and her kids. So um, they're doing it at a, at a church. And she's not wearing a face mask. Seggy's not wearing a face mask. And Seggy's sister, who's from Russia, Seggy's from Ethiopia and Teresa. So one's redhead, one's brunette. The other is uh, more melanin content. The other two are less melanin content. And and they're close to each other without masks. A man drives up and he, he begins to berate them, says, I'm calling OSHA on you. And he basically racially profiles a family. A family. And they say, look. I'm the mother. These are my daughters. He says, no, that's not possible. And he is just livid and reports them. Uh, I mean, this, this is the insanity that they're facing here. And all these folks watching their communities being devastated are standing up in defiance and doing the best they can. And that's what it's going to require across the country. If we're going to see this, this misery end and this government malfeasance be held accountable and, and for all of us to push back. So um, I, was there any more questions? Oh, yeah, yeah. read that. You know, I, 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 I told him about up, this. I pulled this up on my phone. So uh, this was Jen at the Jen Jacobson. I was telling him, but I didn't go through the whole thing. Okay, so she has this note that's um, – It's on, the, it's on the, the door when you enter and it says, be kind. It says, be kind. And then right up at the cash register, it says, that person standing near you not, might uh, – uh, uh, that person standing near you not wearing a mask might be a victim of trauma, rape, abuse – might be struggling with a medical condition or have autism, sensory processing disorders or other disabilities. So please be kind. That was, that was great. It was. I loved seeing that. And she still got cited for that. Somebody came in and said they're, they're not permitting masks and their employees are being right. subject. And she hired a special, she had two employees, one with special needs. And because of what they'd done, those two had to be, let go. So the only people working are family because of what they've done. One of the questions that just came in was, uh, where's the war zone? It looks beautiful out there. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, a, that's, it's a tongue in cheek. They may have been tongue in cheek, but I think it, it's, it's, I think it's uh, also symbolic of the fact that it does, it does look beautiful out here, but we're hearing about a very real war that is going on ideologically and spiritually and, um, uh, emotionally and mentally, people are, are, are they're, they're thinking crazy and they're teaching it to the kids and that's becoming a new normal in our schools. And, and, if, and if this is a serious question or if it's not tongue in cheek and you're wondering where the war zone is, we have footage of downtown Portland. If, you, if that's the question you're asking, uh, if you want to know the casualties in the war, uh, we've just gone through a list of folks who've lost everything. Uh, and their, their school districts are, are, are being devastated. Their businesses are being devastated. But if you want to go and see the location where the young man was murdered, uh, actually, we saw three locations where three folks were murdered. We're more than happy to show you that if that's what you want to see. If you think that the, the protests are peaceful, 
Um, we also have footage of all the burned out buildings, the boarded up buildings, the devastated businesses. I'm not sure what the question was in regards to that. Um, kind of odd to me. And uh, Segi, as I think, Segi, I, I didn't get to, to talk with her, but I heard you talking. And uh, what, how great it is to see young people who have so much courage and, and have such conviction about their values to be able to stand up at 21 years old inside of a coffee shop and say, I'm, I'm not going to wear that, uh, that, that, that T-shirt. Um, I have kids that age. Uh, you have young adults as kids. And that's, uh, that's what we need to see more of. And Well, and, and as you know, someone with more melanin uh, to not associate with BLM and then to be berated because she doesn't hold an ideological position and then to be shamed because of the melanin content of her skin. Um, and it had nothing to do with, with the fact that she was black. It had to do with her ideology. And that proves that this whole BLM mess is a complete Marxist move. And it's a joke. Um, and it's tragic. When, when, when I was in school, I remember learning that, uh, you know, to, to not be, um, to not be intolerant of other people's views, that you needed to really be in inclusive and, and hear other people's ideas on the other side of the table. Uh, but now it seems to have switched. And now it's to be, uh, to be a good person now, you need to shut down the other side of the table if it doesn't agree with a very leftist point of view. And that's what's so concerning is that the discussion's not even there. It's really not about being inclusive or tolerant. It's actually being very um, disclusive and very intolerant of anything other than the politically correct view right now. And that's, that's crazy. That's crazy time. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I don't know if there's any more questions. Uh, we've got a, a full schedule ahead of us. We'll check. Let me see what we yeah, got. No here. more questions. All right. Yet. All right. Uh, Wait, oh, here's one. Are there any different COVID laws that Oregon is facing that are notably worse than what we are dealing with here in California? Uh, the governor here, she's about as militant as Governor Mussolini is. It's almost equal what they're facing. Uh, but in some of the outlying towns that we did visit, it seems to be loosening a bit. And they're saying that the protests of Antifa though they've been going on for well over a hundred straight days. And we saw the federal, or actually now the federal officers have, have, have backed off, but you have Portland police protecting the federal courthouse. Um, but it's, it's relenting a bit. I, I think that the protesters are tiring. Maybe they're getting fatigue, uh, but they're still there. The park was filled with them. And, and this once beautiful park is now completely trashed. The, the monuments destroyed in this park, uh, they've left a wake of destruction. All, all they can do is burn and destroy. They don't build. Communities are being devastated all in the name of something that doesn't exist. And, uh, and, and yet they're, they're wanting to indoctrinate, take over school districts and impose themselves in the lives of people and separate us and cause us to police and devour one another. It's, it's not what we signed up for. So it's getting dark out here. It is. You want to say anything before it's we sign up? The last up? thing that I would say is that, is that I'm noticing a real contrast between light and dark. Um, and, and, and I mean that uh, in, in a spiritual sense. There's clearly uh, a group of people that is all for uh, a culture of death and division. Uh, and we can see that here in Portland downtown. And there's another culture of good people who love God, who love their families. They love this country and everything that it has stood for in terms of its Judeo-Christian principles and uh, our, our, our law and order and everything that, that makes us uh, the country that every, everybody wants to come to. And 
that contrast is really, really clear. And the good people are doing what they're doing because they know God's called them to it. And, and they want more than anything for other people to wake up, to speak up, to stand up and answer the call where God is, is calling them. I, I, I liked um, what one of the ladies said. She said, when I looked at it, I realized I can do what I can do. I can do what's in front of me. I can't sit idly by. I have to participate and I'm going to do whatever comes to me. And in many cases, each of them said the same thing and they've all taken a stand. And you look at Jen Jacobson, she can't even find a church to fellowship in. She's, she has to travel a great distance just to take her boys to a church that's open. And yet here she is losing her business, standing in defiance of, of government malfeasance that's trying to put people back on welfare with, with a virus that doesn't merit what they're doing to these businesses. And she's standing in defiance, but there's no one defending this single mother with three kids and, and the government's putting her back on welfare and she wants to work. She wants her business back. So I promised them all that we would keep them in prayer um, and we're going to encourage them and support them. And we're going to let their voices be known as we put the, the clips together and all the footage. And that's right. And, yeah. and maybe uh, even have some of those be a part of uh, our big non-essential event which is going to be uh, October 18th. October 18th, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. That's right. It's a big one. Yeah. We got you and Charlie got- Kirk and Dr. Dan Erickson and Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, yes. Yeah. He's, he's a go. Yeah, he's a go. Woo-hoo! Yeah, that's pretty so cool. We're, we're keeping it under wraps a little bit for now, but but we're going to let the cat out of the bag uh, in, in a little while once we get closer. Yeah. Uh, well, so I want to let you know tomorrow night, I mean, we're going to be back um, in LAX in the morning tomorrow. And then in the evening, we've got Peggy Hall coming and we are welcoming a live audience. Uh, she's remarkable. She's got a huge following. She is, she's tenacious and she's bold and she's fearless and you got to come out. I, I'm so excited to meet her. Um, I met her sister on Sunday and she was full of joy and excited. So come out tomorrow night. You're all welcome. Um, and, and we want a, a vibrant live audience and don't forget, we get fined for every time we have a live audience. So make sure you come out You've got to make it worth it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let me pray for the rest of our trip and ask God's blessing. And then we're going to pray for all of you and I'll read the blessing because it's getting dark. Lord, thank you for the folks that we had the chance to be with. And we thank you for Colby, Officer Colby, and his faithfulness to drive us around. And what they're facing is law enforcement, that they arrest uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells, and then they they put them in prison, and then the district attorney releases them. And uh, Mm -hmm. these folks are paid to go back out and wreak havoc and destruction upon the city that they seek to defend and protect. And yet it just seems as though those who are in government have no interest in protecting the citizenry or the businesses or the livelihood of those who have called this home. And so God, please, we pray for Mm. peace upon not only Portland, but uh, the Willamette Valley and, and all surrounding regions. And that the, the state of, uh, of Oregon would find in their governor, someone who would relent from these draconian measures and let the people live and that freedom would be restored in this state. That's beautiful. And so Lord, thank you for the folks who are standing we pray yes, that Lord. the churches would Bless open. Now. We pray for an awakening and a revival. Yes, uh, not just in California, as we prayed, but here in Oregon and, and up and down the, the West Coast and across the yes, nation Lord. and the world itself. Yes, and so, God, please, we pray for mercy and grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. In Amen. Jesus name. Amen. Well, I got a blessing for you as we've done every night. Uh, you get to do it tonight. Come on. All right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you and your family peace. Good word. Well, uh, tomorrow night, Peggy Hall, everyone come live audience. If you can't make it live, make sure you tune in. It is going to be, and th this woman's going to inspire you to do more and she's going to show you how to do more. Uh, she's been successful. She's taken on local governments and she's found success at every step of the way. She's uh, insightful. She's gifted, talented, and very knowledgeable. So make sure you either come in person or tune in tomorrow night. It's, you don't want to miss it. Thank you for all you're doing. You bless me. And God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. See you tomorrow night. Good night.